Hey everyone, this is Jason from the Rams Review Podcast. Just before we get stuck into the episode, I want to take a quick moment to promote something us here at the Rams Review Podcast are very passionate about, the Fan Hub app. Football without fans is nothing. That's why Fan Hub is on a mission to put fans first. This app is now available on Apple and Google stores. The Fan Hub app has lots of fun things for fans of football to do, including competing against fellow fans in predicting lineups and checking on match days. Also, lots of real fan media content for each club, including us here at the Rams Review Podcast for Derby County. Download it today and be part of putting fans first. Currently, there is a waiting list for the app, but we can give you a unique code to help you jump the queue. Check out on our socials for more info. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast with me, Jason, and co-host Corey. Corey, how are we doing? Jason, I'm well. Thank you. Sorry I missed the Millwall podcast. You know, work commitments and all, but you know what? I'm blowing them off this afternoon because I'm ready to talk Brentford. Yeah, me too. And I'm sure somebody else who's ready to talk Brentford is Tom from Besotted Brentford. Tom, how are we doing? Oh, very well, thank you. That's it. I'm. Uh, I think I'll be glad that I've got some football coming back into my life. We've had to deal with uh, abandoned games for coronavirus, so uh, I think I'm even more excited for football than you guys probably are at the moment. Yeah, we had a bit of a we had a bit of a patch of that, didn't we, uh, Corey? It's we not Rotherham by any chance. Is it, Tom? We've had two patches of COVID. We've had <laughs> postponement because it decided to open up in Yorkshire, and and yeah. So I understand. I understand exactly where you're coming from, Tom. It's good when football finally gets back after the old COVID. Well, this is it. We haven't even had the outbreak. I think uh, I think you've hit it, the the nail on the head there, Jason. I, I think Rotherham uh, are trying to make sure this season goes on until probably twenty twenty five at this rate. So, yeah, uh, I think they are, aren't they? They they they've certainly done us twice. I think they stiffed us twice. So you know the, these things happen. But hey, we're not here to talk about. I'll tell that. you what, Jason. Before we get into the questions, I'm pleased I don't do a. I'm pleased that we don't do a, a Rotherham podcast because could you imagine doing the match previews at the tail end of that when you got to do one podcast every day because you play in from now until. <laughs> the end of time and you have to do a preview for everyone that would suck yeah i don't i don't think i'd be uh, i don't think i'd be as involved in that as I, I, this schedule's busy enough as it is let alone uh, let alone any more in there but uh, anyway tom thanks for thanks for joining us um i think you're probably the third member of your your podcast that we've had on in in consecutive pods so it's it's great to great to, is, that, is that all of you are, are we missing anybody Oh, you're missing every... Oh, there's millions of us. So this is the problem, isn't it? <laughs> Basically, what it is, is a glorified drinking group. All of us Brentford fans that have uh, have just grown and grown. To be honest, I think I'm, I'm more on the baby end of the group. I'm sure they won't appreciate me saying that. But um, but no, there's, there's there's loads of us. This is the problem. There's some there's some real troublemakers in there as well. But um, uh, that's that's all part of it. That's why I think it works, really. And that's why it's been going so long. So uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and dare I say famous. Very well known, at least. Let, let's put it that way. If not, if not famous, but anyway, right. Let's get uh, let's get stuck in. And 
Where do we start? Well, uh, Brent, I'm going to start with Brentford season so far, Tom. I, I made a comment on on a podcast a couple of couple of games ago to Corey, and it it very much feels like Brentford have probably had the most inconsistent season over the last two or three years. Yet they look more surefire to go up this year than they have really than they have done in any other. Is is that a similar feeling for for Brentford fans, or is that is can you not mention the p word at the minute because of obviously last season and and the year before, and it's just a case of we ride we ride the wave and it goes wherever it goes. I think uh, it's funny you should say that. I think we've had as a fan base, we've had so many experiences of kind of playing through the leagues, you know, I mean, thinking back to, you know, 10, 11 years ago and worrying whether or not we'd even have a club that even the thought of dicing with premiership football is one that we are kind of always excited by, you know, uh, listen, it, you're absolutely, you hit the net, you know, you are absolutely right. We do have some real problems about consistency, but then again, I think, uh, I think if there was one lesson we learned from last season, it's that when people put too much pressure and expectation on us, that's not when you see our best but instead we're far better when the pressure's on someone else and we're just quietly but surely making steady progress but um yeah it this season feels different whether or not it's the right thing and whether it's the right time I think it's difficult given that we're not in the ground it would be amazing to be there right now new state new stadium you know kind of real exciting players on the pitch you know you'd think this is the season where you'd really want to be there really getting stuck in for the for the final push uh, but uh yeah exciting times and uh I, frankly I wouldn't want to guess where we are at the end of the season <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think this was a question that I asked Billy when he came on for the for the game earlier on this season is it one of the because obviously the stadium changed this season obviously didn't really get to say goodbye to the old Griffin Park um, in a way that I'm sure you wanted to. And then obviously the new Griffin Park, which I've been told I've got to call it by Billy. I'm not allowed to mention its real name. Um, obviously the first season, and like you say, we, nobody knows at the minute, there's still plenty, there's still you know a fair amount to be, to be sorted. But if you were to go up this season in a new stadium with no fans there, and then obviously everything that went off last season, you couldn't be there for the end of it. Would it be a bit of a bittersweet even if you did make it to the Premier League? Dependent on if fans are definitely going to be in the stadiums for that Premier League season next year? I, I better be careful what I say here, hadn't I, really? <laughs> I think look, the truth is, is that I think we know that no matter how good a squad we take up to that to, to, to the Premiership, if we did make it, it's a hell of a slog to try and stay up there as well. And I think that's the thing for us is that actually half the enjoyment for us is getting there in the first place, you know, and this will be the first time in, uh, you know, that we're playing in the top division of, of English football. You know, I mean, that is to be honest, to even be on that journey is almost as exciting as actually being there. You know, we'd, we'd worry about that season when that comes around. I think, um, yeah, listen, it would be bittersweet, but then again, we're having, you know, I mean, it was like there was a picture that came out uh, the other day of uh, one of the pubs on the uh, one of the old corner pubs that's now been all boarded up and uh, looks like it's probably not coming back. There's going to be lots of change. And I think this is it, is that <laughs> there has been so much exciting change, some for the better, some for the worse, probably. But um, it means that when you look at what where we are this season and what could happen, yeah, you, you kind of feel, t- and you can feel it in the fan base too. You can feel that tension of everyone going, you can do really well, but maybe just don't do that well just yet, you know. So, um, yeah, I think... I think it's exciting times. I think the season has been has been a lot more inconsistent. We've also, I feel like we've changed our style a little bit and we've been unlucky with a, a couple of the injuries to a couple mm. of key men as well. And I think some of that is making it feel a little bit, bit more disjointed. We've never really been a player that's 
relied solely on our on our centre forward. You felt like that's been a little bit more in play this year. So there's lots and lots of different changes there in the season this year. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Frank, let's let's be honest. I mean, I don't think any fan is ever going to turn around to you and say if we got into the Premiership, it would be a bad thing. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, no, I don't think you can. I'd, I'd certainly take it for Derby at this <laughs> at this moment in time. I, I can't lie. So. Tom, Corey, obviously the last meeting, I remember as Corey, remember me and you talking to Billy saying, you know, how much we weren't looking forward, <laughs> weren't looking forward to the game because we haven't got the greatest record against Brentford. And then Dobby, we're in that kind of what we know now was a bit of a, probably the purple patch of the season um, and obviously escaped with a with a nil-nil draw and a and a clean sheet. Corey, from, from that game... Uh, what what were your memories from that from that derby performance? It, for me, it was one that you know it was we were ju- we were just ticking along nicely, but probably didn't realise it at the time. Yeah, I think it was the purple patch of the season for the for, for derby, and you know when you derby was still they were still kind of finding their way, and and Kaku was still kind of there, and and they were they were trying to sort this out. And it was a, it was an encouraging performance, especially off the struggles that Derby had had last season away from home, especially in London where Derby seemed to go to London and get turned over three nil consistently every time they get South of Watford. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of us anticipated that that would kind of happen again, because this Brentford team were dangerous, a different animal without Ben Rama and Watkins, but still very, very dangerous. Um, And, and yeah, and, and you're dead on Jason. It was, it was what turned out to be probably the purple patch of the season, obviously, other than the first, than the Rooney bounce. Um, but, but that, that earlier kind of purple patch that Derby had where they were playing pretty well. And, and I was pretty, I was pretty, I hate, I'm going to use the term. I was chuffed to bits really to, to walk away with to see Derby walk away with a point. Yeah. And Thomas, you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking to each other about coming on, you, you were at that game. It was, it was one that you were at. What, what were your memories of it? One I was that's the only one I've been at this season. That was it. I was uh, that was it. It was, yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, it, it didn't matter that to me it was probably one of the worst ninety minutes of football I've had to endure. It was a real dire game to watch. But um, but but you know, I can look at it with rose tinted glasses of the amazing experience walking into uh, New Griffin Park for the first time. So uh, it was, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you're, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to correct me here. I feel like it might have been second or third game where you had Rooney on the touchline. And uh, and there was a real kind of buzz around what he was going to do and how that was yeah. going to work. Um, I remember in my head, I was still adjusting to the fact that whilst it's great to see Colin Kazan Richard up front, you know, it's not quite like watching Wayne Rooney pulling strings out there for you, you know. But um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a nitty gritty game, you know. And I think that was, I think to be honest, we were going through a bit of a rough patch ourselves, you know. We'd we'd just come off the back of a, I think it was a two all draw with. Blackburn where they were down to 10 men for a long time and we just couldn't put them to bed and I remember thinking to myself we, we, we need to get something out of this and I think I think by that point I think by the end of the game I'd taken nil-nil before I would have said we should be doing better here but um, yeah it was not not certainly not an epic but certainly one game that I can't forget now unfortunately. No, absolutely um, and to be honest with you, you obviously uh, down down in London were some of the lucky ones. We we're still waiting, <laughs> we're still waiting for for any involvement uh, this season. And boy, do we need it! Um, yeah, I think it's it's one of those one of those places that you know. How how much do you think? I know you're not in there, so it is a little bit difficult to say. But obviously, a team adjusting to a new stadium, especially when it was 
so compact. Griffin Park's a synonymous football ground. Do you think any of that had really anything to you know to do with it? Of course, they play at these newer stadiums, you know, every fortnight anyway, because obviously as the away team. But as a home team, when you haven't got what Griffin Park was probably famous for, and I've, I've been a couple of times. Um, I, in fact, I remember going about 2005 to an FA Cup game, if memory serves me right, and didn't end well for Derby that, that afternoon. Um, but, you know, it, it, obviously that's getting lost out of football now. The newer stadiums obviously are having, are having to be built. But it, it, do you, can you put it down to anything like that? Or is it, as I think most people are saying this year, you just can't put anything down to anything because of every, you know, what's going on at the moment? Yeah. Listen, I think I think for, for us as a club, leaving somewhere like Griffin Park, but as you say, I think it's I think it's something also for the wider kind of football family as well. You know, leaving an institution that is Griffin Park is always going to affect the way in which you view the club and the way in which you view change. But um, but do I think that impacted on our performances? I don't think it did. I think I think to be honest, you know, without having the fans there, it took away the pressure, which was which was kind of the other dynamic of it, really. I think, you know, after last season, you know, it was going to take us a while before we bounced back. And I think psychologically we bounced back a lot quicker than I probably thought we were going to. And I'm glad for it because I think it puts us in a better position than I expected us to be in at this time. Um, but uh, yeah, we've also, as I, as I said before, you know, a couple of injuries as well have been disjointing it. But I think I think to be honest, I think everyone at the club, you know, we've. It, it, there's been obviously quite a churn of players over the years, but you can just tell now there is a core there that have given their service to Brentford. And I think for them, they were almost as excited as us, the fan base, to, to be taken on this new challenge of a new stadium. And and we've embraced it. You know, our home form has not been dreadful. Um, you know, our away form as well has not been dreadful, uh, but neither of them you'd call remarkable. But funny enough, that still managed to take us to currently third in the table. So it's a, it is a weird season. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know that as well. You've seen kind of highs and lows, as you said. <laughs> We have, we have. Uh, Corey, I think the next, the next thing that we obviously we have to talk about w- with Brentford is uh, of, of course, the old, the old BMW that used to be um, up front for Brentford, and and the the difference in contrast between obviously a couple of those moving on, Tom uh, and and Corey. I want Corey. I'll get your opinions first. I mean. Obviously, I didn't watch Brentford week in, week out last last season, but you would have probably have picked Ben Rama to probably do better than Ollie Watkins has done. And I've got a couple of people who are really close to me who are Villa fans and have said Ollie Watkins has been you know, just just an inspiration uh, at Villa. I think Jack Grealish obviously plays a big part in that as well but Ollie Watkins has really turned himself into you know a, a, a real top striker and I know he's doing my fantasy football team no no arm at all um Corey are you surprised obviously Ben Rama probably in and out of it at, at West Ham it wasn't it he went to he's probably not really played as much as maybe you would have expected and certainly Ben Rama probably got more of the plaudits at Brentford last season than than the others but it, it's it's a bit of a surprise to me that Ollie Watkins is the first name on the team sheet at Villa, and you know Ben Rama struggles struggles to get in a West Ham side, although they are doing obviously you know really really well at the moment. West Ham, yeah, definitely. I think both. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Ollie Watkins, and I'm a massive fan of Saeed Ben Rama. Um, and yeah, it was. I think ultimately when we talked to Billy last year, we knew we knew they were going to go. We knew um, you know that that the time at Brentford was up, and that was okay. And I think the fans 
kind of accepted that because it's kind of the Brentford model. But yeah, Watkins has fit straight into a little team, doesn't look out of place in the Premier League at all. And, you know, obviously that team's led by Jack Grealish. He's their talisman. But Watkins with his with his high pre- with his pressing and his ability to run and the, the fact that he's going to work his socks off, you know, um, is contributing to his overall good play. And, and yeah, you know, at the same time as well, he's missed a few goals from VAR decisions that were toenails and weird fingernails offside and the length of his pinky and some very weird VAR decisions, which is another conversation. But yeah, it was a bit strange to see Saeed Ben Rama to, to not um, necessarily be the first name on the team sheet at West Ham. I mean, it was an amazing move for him. He gets to stay in London. He gets to play at West Ham. West Ham, they're now fourth in the Premier League and um, and whatnot. But I think, you know, his performances recently, he's been getting more into this team, into more into that West Ham team. Um, and it's good to see. And for me, you know, Ben Rama was fantastic and he was the talisman for Brentford over Watkins last season. I know Watkins and Embuermo and, and um, Ben Rama scored all these goals and, and Watkins for me was kind of like the man. But I know Ben Rama was really the one, in my opinion, that kind of made Brentford tick. And, you know, he scored that cracking goal against Derby last season after lockdown. And that really just, you know, basically collapsed, it basically collapsed Derby for the rest of the season. Brentford kicked on. And then when I saw Brentford in the playoffs, I was a little bit disappointed in Ben Rama's performances because I don't think he met the heights that he did earlier in the season, which was disappointing for me because, you know, I kind of wanted Brentford to go up because of the way they played football and the players that they had. And, and, I, and I liked it. it was a fresh atmosphere and, and all this stuff, a little positivity around it. And so, yeah, it was disappointing to see him kind of not hit the heights in the playoffs. Um, from my opinion, on the outside looking in, Tom, you might have a completely different different idea of it watching Brentford every week. But it just seemed that Ben Rama kind of faded a little bit off of his high standards that he set in the playoffs last season. And, and that was maybe one of the reasons, other than a 45-yard freak-free kick by Joe Bryan, uh, that Brentford probably didn't go up. We simply don't mention that name, okay? That 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 never happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wembley was a thing, but we, you know, no no mention of uh, of anyone of that of that team. Um, although, you know, it'd be delightful to see them play in Championship football, hopefully next season. But um, uh, no, um, it, it's interesting because a lot of people say this as well, and I think a lot of people are excited by the flair and excitement that comes from a style that Ben Rama has. So, so it, uh, it doesn't surprise me that that people from the outside perhaps saw him, but to me. The thing about Ollie Watkins is that he was probably one of the best football professionals I've ever had the pleasure of kind of coming across. Uh, a genuinely top, top, top person. I sound like Thomas Frank there saying top lots of times. Um, but uh, a really nice guy, really committed. You can tell how much of a hard graft he puts in week in, week out. He would, didn't matter what his position was, you know, he'd be fitting in, pulling for the team. And that was the difference, was that consistently you could get that work effort out of him. Whereas as you, were, as you kind of identified rightly during the playoffs, you know, you saw the reality that Ben Rama can have nine out of 10 games, but then other weeks have five, six, sevens. And that isn't what you need from him because, you know, if he has those games, he can disappear for large chunks. And that was, that was the one problem. I think, you know, if you'd given Brentford fans a choice that we had to get rid of one of them, I think we probably would have accepted that Ben Rahm was probably on his way out. But I think losing Ollie Watkins was a, was a stinger because he was just, as I say, such a top bloke and uh, yeah, a, a kind of guy that you would enjoy around the football club. But then again, we're lucky with the replacements that have come in since that have uh, kind of, you know, filled that gap nicely, really. And, and that was going to be my next point, Corey. Uh, obviously, the, the the replacement, certainly Ivan Tony. Uh, I know right at the beginning of the season, he was something like 14 goals in 14 games. I think it was actually coming into that derby game when he was 14 in 14. Obviously, didn't didn't manage to find the back of the net against against us. But he's continued 
Yeah, he's continued in, in a vein of form that, you know, he's easily going to, if he hasn't already, I must admit, I've not checked the stats. If he hasn't already smashed 20, 25, he's, he's obviously well on, well, well on course to do that. Um, and possibly surpass Ollie Watkins, you know, goal scoring tally from, from last season. Uh, Tom, I'll ask you first, can you really put the two together and, 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 and pick out the differences between them or are they really, you know, two very different type of players in, in the formation and, and in the play of Brentford? You can see the similarities in the fact that both of them know where the back of the net is. And that's been the important thing from a Brentford point of view. But style-wise, I mean, Ivan Tony, you know, he's come in this season and he's already turned into captain on a number of occasions. And I think that speaks volumes for his importance to us as a team this year. Uh, he's a real leader. You know, the defensive work ethic he brings in that was similar to Ollie Watkins is incredible. And that, you know, at corners, he's like having an extra defender on the pitch. But then also, as you as you quite rightly say, you know, put him in front of goal. And frankly, the, the man doesn't miss, you know. Mm. It, it's almost tough for him to, to, to stop. He doesn't stop scoring. And, and you know, it, it's amazing. But Ollie would often drift out wide and try and create. And that was why you saw a lot of goals shared amongst the BMW this season, he's a lot more conventional uh, centre-forward kind of play with Ivan Tony. Yes, he does drop deeper, but it's almost like the, the the Harry Kane kind of role of being down the middle still. So even if he's, you know, provider, it's still from a central position. But, you know, he, he works so hard as well. So, so hard. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been good for the goals he has. I mean, frankly, you know, we've had a couple of games without him where he's been out injured or or just simply been trying to save his legs a little bit. And, uh, and the team have been much poorer for it. And that was something that we was less the case last year. Um, I think this year, certainly, when when Ivan Tony's not in the starting lineup, you know it and, you know, you sense it and you can see it on the pitch, unfortunately. I think for me, Jason, in, in preparation for this, for, this, for this podcast, there was one number that stood out to me and it was the number 25. Um, Ivan Tony scored 25 goals this season for Brentford. Brentford have... Um, Brentford are plus 25 in their goal difference and Derby as a team have scored 25 league goals so the number 25 is big big for me because Brentford's goal difference is the amount of goals that Derby score and I think that's what the difference is between the top end and the bottom of the pitch I mean when you look at it Ivan Tony was scoring him for fun at Peterborough he was brought in to replace Watkins and you thought yeah you know is he going to be able to do it but then you had this thing and you were like Brentford always pick these players up and they always do well. And, and again, Ivan Tony's doing exceptionally well. So, you know, like Tom said, there is work rate and, and the way he kind of brings other players in. But he also, um, you know, he can also finish his lunch, which some Derby strikers can't do. You know, give him a plate of lunch, they're not going to be able to finish it. Or couldn't hit a barn dorm with a bazooka is another one of my favorite cliches. But, you know, you look at this and, and it was and again, he scored 25 goals. And, and then you look at you look at the ones that he's missed. And I know when Billy came on our podcast last time, he said that Ollie, uh, that uh, Ivan Tony yeah, he scores a lot of goals, but he misses a lot of chances because he knows that he's going to get like 10 or 15 chances a game and all he's got to do is put three away. Whereas sometimes when you're looking at Derby, they're only going to create two chances in a game. So it puts a lot more pressure on your forwards to have a 50% success rate rather than like a 25% success rate because you just keep just keep piling them in. Is that right, Tom? Yeah, do you know what? I, I, funny, I was almost going to mention to you was that you know we, we being the statisticians and the mad kind of football, football fan base we are, 
expected goals. You know, you see it all the time now. Sky uses it quite a lot. But actually, that's been the thing about him is that you look at the goals he's scoring. They're not high percentage chances that he's taken, yet he's still able to find the back of the net. And, and that's the thing is that, yeah, we are creating opportunities. They have dried up of late. And I think that's been part of the problem with where our rocky form has been is that we have not created enough chances. Um, but but certainly, you know, he scores chances at really low percentages, you know, with his head, with his feet. It doesn't matter. And, and, and that is the difference is that, you know, it doesn't have to be a clear cut chance for him to be able to take it. He is a, a goal scorer through and through. And that is that's testament to the kind of player he is. And I mean, you know, having seen what I've seen of Derby this season, that seems to be something that you've struggled to replicate, really, in terms of that guaranteed goals. Yeah, and it's something that Derby's lacked for. It's a surprise, really, because you always, at least over the last five or six years, right, Jason, we always assume Derby's playing kind of this sexy football with air quotes and, and, and knocking in the goals, the McLaren kind of era stuff. And so this season kind of just hit us all. I think it hit us all for six that, um, you know, the goals just completely dried up. And then, you know, again, when you have a striker of Ivan Tony's quality, it, it adds an extra element because now teams are scared of Ivan Tony. So now they put two men on him and it brings Brian and Bremer, who's a fantastic finish. I know Goddess has had a good couple games. Um, Tarek Fasu as well has come into it. You've got Josh De Silva who can get goals. So you've got players from all over the thing because now two people are focused on Ivan Tony, not just one. And it's bringing in, you've got four or five other weapons behind him, which are of pretty good quality as well. So then it's kind of like, well, and I think Brentford scored something ridiculous, like 61 goals already this season. Um, and it, I mean, it just, the mind just boggles that, yeah, Tony scored 25 and that's fantastic. But they've scored 61 overall. So there's what another, I don't want to do public math, but there's another like 36 goals, 37 goals in that team as well, minus Ivan Tony. And even if you have that, that's still more than Darby's managed as a team. And it's just, it's just mind blowing, just mind blowing. And I think that extra fear factor of Ivan Tony leads to a lot of things as well. All right, Tom. So, you know, First time on the podcast, third time for Besotted Brentford debut pod for you. And we're going to introduce you to our new segment called the Quickfire Five. So what we're going to do is ask you five questions. We're going to get some relatively quick responses and we're going to find out about Brentford, if that's okay with you. Yeah. And we'll test whether or not I've got some quick thinking as well, haven't I? Really? <laughs> yeah. So. Or yeah, definitely. Definitely. So Thomas Frank is the manager of Brentford. Keep him, can him. What's the thoughts on the manager? I'll keep him. As he would say, he's a top, top bloke. Uh, really nice, really good fun around the club. You can tell he loves it. You can tell he loves a glass of wine as well, which he is always quite good fun in his in his games afterwards. Also quite enjoy the way at the moment he's winding up other fan bases, which means that we're doing something right. And he's got so great hair him. as well. Well, it's certainly it's very, very, uh, very, very Scandinavian. Who has better hair, Thomas Frank or Gareth Ainsworth? Um, or um, Wayne Rooney? <laughs> oh no Thomas Frank is luscious I would say Gareth Ainsworth is scruffy yeah he does have some luscious locks although you haven't seen Steve McLaren the hair island is now gone he has got like <laughs> a transplant. he will not be far away from that anyway back to the quick fire five top scorer this season I think I know who this is but who's the top scorer Ivan Tony. who's the second top uh, scorer Oh, God. Go. Yeah, yeah, you knew you were going to catch me there then. Um, I think it's going to be, oh, God, I'm going to go Sergi Canos. No. Seems, not, that, seems, that seems like it would be... He's certainly up there. To be honest, you've already talked about it. We get goals from everywhere. So I could have said a centre-back and I wouldn't be far off. <laughs> All right. Best player so far this season? Uh, it had been Rico Henry. 
uh, the man's a legend and, and probably the greatest player I've seen in a Brentford football shirt. Uh, otherwise, consistently at the minute, Janelt, what a guy. Absolute steal. Came in as a bit of a bargain at the start of the season and, and proven himself to be well worth the money. All right, so outside of the players that we've already talked about with Rico Henry, Jan Elt, Sergei Canos and Ivan Tony, who are the players that we need to look out for? Christian Norgard, back in. Back fresh from injury, what a player. Again, another bit of steely midfielder. He's going to disrupt the play. We've got a, a thing that we call the the, the typical uh, Norgard yellow card that will pick up for stopping youth breaking, which is always great. Um, he's going to be he's going to be really important. Winston Reid looks class at the back. Uh, and David Raya, we can see. But if he's on good form, he can be a real tough one to beat. Hopefully we get a 40-yard free kick then, eh? at this point he's at this point he's passing it to uh to, to defenders as well and to strikers so uh, who knows, but knows. <laughs> <laughs> um and then tom last one of the quick fire five uh we know we know what brentford, brentford strengths are with with the, the ability in the squad the goal scoring technique and then the work ethic what are the weaknesses of this team uh, at the minute, the the left back position is probably our biggest weakness. Losing Rico and putting in Mads Beck Sorensen, who's predominantly played there. He's a centre back. He's a centre back who can very much play there and is a class player. Um, but he does look a little bit exposed on the left. Um, also, as well, just getting stuck in, or uh, you can take a, a leaf out of the Swansea book and just cheat your way to victory, which is uh, a good way of going about it and buy some penalties in the 97th minute. And uh, mm. frankly, the referees love that at the moment. Life, death and Swansea getting late penalties and Manchester United penalties as well, which they always seem to get one as well. So I think those are the four things you can bank on in life. Um, so Tom, thanks for being part of the quick fire five. And before we turn our attentions, Jason, to the, to the game on Saturday um, and, and give some predictions and stuff, I wanted to give a little, um, Thought I've actually seen the Derby Brentford game back in 2018. It was one of my annual trips to to Pride Park, and I saw that. And I was thinking, how many players that are going to take the field on Saturday actually are playing for both teams now? Does anybody have any predictions out of the 22, or you know, 22 and let's say the the six subs that came on? So what's that? That's the 28. How many of the how many of the players are playing currently for this raw for the for, for both sides? Uh, not many for Derby. I know that for probably three for Derby. I'd say probably three, four Brentford. Obviously I don't really know too many of the names. I'm guessing obviously Raya probably played. Um, let's go. Let's go nine. Tom, any ideas? Oh uh, yeah. I'm not even that ambitious. I reckon, uh, I reckon, did you say 2018? 2018. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say seven then tops combined. All right. So the players Dolsgaard played, Kanyas yep. played. And uh, that was it from Brentford. And Darby, none of the starting 11 are still at the team. And Wisdom, Waghorn, and uh, Kel Roos were on the bench. Wow. I yeah. didn't think yeah. it was going to be that low. I know. And uh, it just goes to show the turnover of these teams. You know, you, Brentford's been – and my point in saying this is that Brentford's been such a force now for a couple seasons that you expect them to have some solid core because that's normally like, – like Leeds had that solid core for three or four seasons. Mm. And Brentford are like – the player turnover and they just keep getting better and they just keep getting better and they just keep getting better. And Darby just turned the players over and I'm not going to say anything more. <laughs> well, we, we kind of did though, didn't we? After the playoff defeat and that obviously that next season where McLaren got tempted by going up North, it kind of, it did, it, we did for two seasons pr practically change five players and still finish in the playoffs. There so was actually one more that I missed and that's Craig Forsyth. 
He stuck yeah, I was going to say, he, I, I can, he started that game. He started. That I can game. imagine Forsyth. Well, he, he's been at uh, he's been at Derby longer than I have. So uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's been there he some, some years. Bloomer. Yeah, he's he's been there. He's definitely the definitely the most long serving player, probably coming up to ten years. I'd have thought his first appearance was the opening of Griffin Park. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's certainly he's coming up to he's coming up to ten years. That's for sure. So. Yeah, so I just, I just, I was just thinking about that, like, oh, how many of these Brentford players and whatever, and it was really shocking. I think there's what, like, like six players. I think out of the combined twenty-eight or something, or mm. the whole squads that were there, which just goes to show how much the turnover goes, and you know how these teams are still in the same division and and, and taking. I've over. got a, a sub question to that, Corey. Something that me and you were talking about the other day. How many of them from Brentford have gone on to play in the Premier League, and how many of them from Derby are now in like Conference North or or something? Because that, that that that's a few. I, I can imagine that's quite a few. Yeah, it's actually actually when you look at it, you have Carson at City, Bogle at Sheffield uh, United, Keo. He's a, he's still in the same division at um, at Huddersfield. Tamori's at AC Milan via Chelsea. Forsyth at Derby. Bradley Johnson. He's in the Championship at Blackburn. Bryson's north of the border in Kilmarnock. Bennett Millwall, Mount Chelsea, Nugent. I don't know where David Nugent is picking up money somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Harry Wilson is still in the Championship. And then you look at the bench and. Wisdom, Waghorn, Yazef, Zoon, Marriott, Roos, Huddleston, and Malone, your favorite player. I don't know if you know this, Tom, but Jason comes on and he slights Tom, uh, Scott Malone, but it's secretly his favorite player. And he texted me. <laughs> he got really excited when Scott Malone um, dyed his hair blonde. He was like, oh, he's a blonde. It's fantastic. And yeah, I just got it. It was a little weird. It was a little weird. <laughs> um, but then when you look at Brentford, you've got Malpay, Watkins, Sawyers, Benrama, um, Metham, uh, Bentley. I think he's moved on obviously to Bristol City. You had Barbe, McEachran, McLeod. Uh, Jean Vin- Jean Vier, and then you yeah, have he's, 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 uh, you've also got Esri Consa. Yeah, Esri Esri Consa. You had Alan Judge, Canyos, Adabajo. So there was there's some real quality in those teams, and it yeah. feels like you see you it's felt like you read that team and it's like we're reminiscent about the '90s, but we're reminiscent about like two seasons ago, which is which is just a bizarre a bizarre thing. So. That, Enough that was the peak of Derby. That was the peak of Derby, Corey. And then since then, the uh, the back end's fallen out of it, unfortunately, for the yes. for the time being. Moving from the nostalgia to um to to present day, Tom, are we going to Tom first, Jason? Yeah, let's go to let's Tom go first. to Tom first. Tom, all right. Tuesday night rolls round. Brentford roll up in the bus to Pride Park to face Wayne Rooney's Derby County. Um, what are you expecting? How's the game going to go? What are your thoughts? Looking forward to it, not looking forward to it. Are you terrified of Colin Kazim Richards? I don't know. You Tell me how you're feeling and how you're going to view this game. Well, uh, one thing I am hoping for, and I think we could probably all share in this, is that it's more of a more of an interesting game than the last time we met each other. Um, I, I, I think it would be hard to be much worse, to be honest. Um, uh, how do I feel about it? I don't know, really. I mean, obviously, we've had a week off, so we haven't yet. We've got, you know, some other games to come around yet, and we'll see how we look by Tuesday. I, I expect us to be lining up. I expect Sergio Canios will probably be starting with Brian and Bumo against you guys. I reckon they're going to give you some grief. I reckon Sergio Canios is going to have one of his wonder games, which he has every now and then, and, uh, you know, cut him any bleeds Brentford these days. So, uh, so I'm excited to see whether that happens. I think it'll be a nitty gritty game, though. Uh, I can see you guys making some, uh, some, 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 some resilient defending, uh, but also Colin Kazan Richards is a real handful, and we really struggle with strikers who are a handful. So uh, I'm slightly nervous about that. 
what do I reckon? Still think that we've got plenty in the tank. I think we'll have Norgard and Janelt to kind of give some steel in that midfield. I reckon if we can get a couple of good early goals, I reckon we should hold on. I could say, I could say, I think my score prediction, I'm, I would go 2-0 Brentford. Mm. Jason? Well, yeah, I mean, we went into obviously the game last night against Barnsley, who were an absolute fire. And Derby have been, for the last four or five, been really all over the place. So I, I never, I never expected too much from from last night at all and then I mean don't get me wrong it, it wasn't a classic if you think Brentford Derby was bad Tom you should have seen Barnsley Derby last night um, it wasn't a classic the pl- the pitch was awful it was cut up it was the weather the the wind it, it just it, it just didn't really lend itself to a game of football but Derby come up against a team who'd won the last seven games and actually kept them to probably one chance uh, which I think it was kind of Chaplin, wasn't it, Corey? Or Alex Moa, he was one of the two, who sh- absolutely should bury it. He's four yards out and puts it at the keeper. But, it, you know, and then towards the last 10 minutes of that game last night, Derby actually um, probably should have scored. <laughs> probably should have nicked it. Um, Lee Gregory missed an absolute sitter from about six yards out and uh, Shinny smashed one in off the post from 25 yards out. So Derby could have easily wandered away from Oakwell with three points last night. And we were predicting, you know, every, every defeats last night for Derby. A bit similar to yourself, Tom, you know, we've, we've got a game on, on uh, Saturday at home uh, first against Millwall. Big game for Derby, really. You know, if I was to predict, predict between the two, which one Derby are going to target, and that is kind of the way that Wayne Rooney is doing it at the moment. He's targeting certain fixtures to pick up the results required to steer us away from that bottom. I think, obviously, we're going to be, we're going to be pl- going for, going for, gunning for Millwall much more than we will Brentford. But Brentford play a particular way that I think suits Derby because we both like, oh, we try anyway, and play that, you know, that style of football. The Pride Park pitch is, is probably the same as nearly every single pitch at the moment, up and down, up and down the 92. It's not in great, it's not in great nick. Um, and that does stop, you know, that kind of play. So it's, it's difficult to say, really. I mean, Derby, I've tried to combat a couple of times just recently. It's certainly the, the styles that we've come up against um, were very much try and match your formation. That seems to be something that Rooney does, not necessarily play our own game, but we try and match, it, match our opponents. I don't know if that's a good idea against Brentford because of obviously the quality. Uh, or, you know, if he goes against the grain and changes it a little bit. I mean, it's one of those games where Derby are going to obviously have to be certainly at the best to, to get anything out of it. And you've obviously you've got to try and keep Ivan Tony quiet. Uh, obviously, not just him. There's obviously, as we've mentioned, there's other players. But Derby haven't got a bad home record at the moment. They they seem to certainly be getting a lot more results at home than than they are away, which was actually slightly different to, to the start of the season. Certainly, when we came down to New Griffin Park, we were picking up much more away from home than we were at home. So, um, yeah, Colin Kazim Richards, Lee Gregory, they'll probably both start up front. They're, you know, okay, they're, they're experienced uh, age-wise, but the pair of them will hold the ball up and, and bully your centre off, try and bully the centre halves, and then, you know, try and exploit the our, our wing play with, with with pace down the wings. So, it, I'm not sure Derby are going to get a positive result, I must admit, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be, it is going to be an interesting battle. And, I I lean on the air side of caution and maybe Derby can get a get a draw out of it. Um, obviously we're 
polar opposites of the table, but obviously both of us gunning for points for, for various different reasons. So, But I do think Derby will certainly focus on Saturday at Millwall and you might see a bit of a less a less side out against Brentford, in all fairness. That, and that's no disrespect, but we just we know what battles we need to fight at the moment. I think that's the best way of describing it. So that as well kind of puts it in Brentford's, in Brentford's ballpark, doesn't it, Corey? Yeah, it does, and, and definitely. And I think when you look at this game, you know, you say Derby's got a, a striker in Colin Kazim Richards. That's a handful, and Brentford struggle with that. And, and you know, I look at Derby's defence, and you've got Ivan Tony they're going to struggle containing Ivan Tony because not only can he hold the ball up, not only is he strong and powerful, he's also very quick as well. Sometimes the center halves at Derby are not the quickest unless he starts obviously Mengi, uh, which, which would be a, a possibility. Um, and then you look at the other weapons that Brentford have, you know, we've already talked about Godos. We've talked about Kanyos. We've talked about Josh De Silva. We talked about Brian and Bromo. We know, we know what they bring the Brentford with the, uh, you know, the, the two that they play in midfield with Yan Elton Dahl's or Norgard, you know, that's probably arguably one of the best in the division uh, as, a, as a partnership in front of that back four. You've got Ethan Pinnock, who's, who's fantastic um, as well at the back. And, you know, so it'll be interesting. It'll be in, it'll be an interesting game. And, you know, I'm, I, I think, Jason, you're well on. I think Darby could go very much and I could very much see Darby getting a point um, for this. You know, Brentford's been inconsistent. Both teams need points for different reasons. Um, and I could see Rooney setting it up. I think he, what, it looked like he set it with like seven defenders last night or something like that, just to basically, we can't win, so we don't lose. Um, but, you know, with this game being at home, I would try to anticipate Darby giving it a little bit more of a go. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think Brentford are going to be slightly too much strong, uh, slightly too strong uh, for Darby. So I'm going to, you know, unfortunately for Darby supporters, you know, I have to, I have to predict these games as an analyst. Um, I'm, you know, obviously I want Darby to win, but I think that, uh, I think the Brentford's going to pit this one 2-1. I would have to say exactly the same 2-1 feels like a scoreline for me that, um, you know, it, it could happen uh, quite quite easily. But I, I do I do think that it'll be hopefully a better game of football, like Tom said, than what it was back in the autumn and that, um, you know, these two teams will scrap for points. But I think, Tom, Derby is a slightly different animal than what they when, when you saw them last. Um, they have been on a little bit of a bad run. The form has been inconsistent for both sides. But, yeah, Brentford, I think, will still have enough to pip them. Yeah, I, I would have to agree, and and that obviously brings us brings us to the end of proceedings. Uh, Tom, thank you very much for joining us at such short notice. It's an absolute pleasure to to meet you, and uh, all the best. And I know I'm, I'm not just saying this because you're on. I've said it to Billy. I've, I've I've said it to some of the other guys who we've had on. Brentford are one of those teams that I, I like to watch. I think they deserve to be in the Premier League based over the last two or three years, um, and I'd like them to something that we've not really talked about this episode. We, we spoke about it big time with Billy was obviously Brentford's transfers and the way that they work and, you know, being able to then dip into that philosophy and that strategy that they've got and then apply it with, you know, millions of the Premier League, they, they could, I know it could really backfire, but it could, it could really, you know, really turn out to be an interesting proposition. And I know it's one that me and Corey both want to see and, at least we wouldn't have to play Brentford anymore and, and get our arses spanked by him most, most games. But anyway, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much for having me. And it's, uh, it's lovely to have some nice supportive fans from, uh, from other clubs as well that are backing us. Um, but uh, don't get too optimistic just yet. It's still very early doors. And frankly, uh, I, I, I'm not hedging my bets just yet. And Corey, as always, Corey, thank you very much for joining us. Jason, you're more than welcome. Just don't tell my boss that I'm here. <laughs> I won't. I'll try not to. I am your boss, remember? No, I'm really not.
I'm really not. And, and that's all we've got time for. My bonuses. Where's my paycheck? See <laughs> at the end of the season. Boss. Yeah. At the, end of the, at the end of the season, we'll discuss that. Thank you. Uh, and that is all we've got time for. So until next time, everybody, it's goodbye from us and up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at Rams Review 1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first. Thank mm-hmm. you.